Welcome to Turkey Talk, a show where we talk all turkey all of the time. The Turkey Talk podcast is presented by Matthew Myers Custom Calls, Van Meter and Sun Lures, and Iron Horse Gunworks. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Episode 21 of the Turkey Talk podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Myers. And this week we have a very special guest on our show, Jordan Blissett. Jordan, thank you so much, man, for taking the time to come on and talk turkey with us. Man, yeah, I'll, I'll take any chance I get to talk about what we love. We're uh, recording this, and it'll it'll be released in July, but it's June right now, the very end of June. So we're kind of in our our difficult months where season has ended, and we're going to fight through the rest of the summer and gain ground. But, yeah, it's a difficult time for us turkey hunters, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, just – with me, I'm just steady thinking about starting to plan out next spring, you know, getting my head like where I want to go, what I want to do, and uh, just some content ideas and that kind of stuff. It's funny how even, and you were probably doing the same, that in the spring, like in 23, I remember towards the end of my season, I'm like hunting these places, and I was just sitting there already thinking about the following spring, <laughs> you know, already kind of. <laughs> Already kind of like collaborating in my mind of what I could group together to make a quick weekend run or a few days, anything like that. So it's pretty crazy, man. Yeah. Do the same thing everywhere I go. You know, a lot of, uh, you go to a new place, excuse me, you go to a new place and, you know, you've never been there before. And a lot of times it's like a trial and error the first time you go and then you, you learn from it. And then maybe the next year, you know, you can go in there and be really successful. Sure, absolutely. So, Jordan, just real, real quick here, if you don't mind, um, you know a little bit about yourself. You know, where are you right now? How's things going? And if you don't mind, after that, take us through. You know, you're big into the the hunting, a little bit of everything, the hunting industry. Kind of take us through where all that started for you and how you got into hunting in general, and just a quick uh, overview, please. Well, uh, right now I'm actually in my in my home office, so. Uh, my full-time job now is uh, I'm a real estate agent and I specialize like in recreation land, hunting land, that kind of stuff. So uh, this time of year and right now I'm really uh, focused on all that, you know, just I'm going to look at land just about every day, which is awesome because I love being in the woods in general. So if it if it's what I like to do and kind of uh, how I ended up doing all this was so me as a kid, I just fell in love with hunting and I didn't grow up in a, a turkey hunting family. So I was around deer camp and that sort of thing. We, uh, I grew up in a dog running camp, which was a big tradition down here in the South. You know, on the weekends, it would be a uh, hundred people at the camp and ride horses and turn dogs loose on, and we ran them on national forest. We had hundreds of thousands of acres to Rome on down there. So uh, that's where I kind of grew my passion for hunting. And uh, I guess on the turkey hunting side of things, uh, you know, of course, I, I was always influenced in my generation. I'm 33 years old. So back up 20 years ago, that was when uh, Primo's was really in its heyday for us, you know, releasing turkey hunting videos and content and really teaching people how to do it. 
And uh, I started watching all that on, you know, on the TV shows that would come on on, I believe it's Sunday night, if I remember right, back when I was a kid. And uh, I really grew a curiosity for, you know, turkey hunting. And uh, I went the first time ever when I was 15 years old, didn't have a clue what I was doing and ended up getting lucky and killing a turkey. And after that, it was just a fire was set under me. I got to learn how to do this. You know, I got to learn how to be better at it. And uh, not being from a turkey hunting family or really ha knowing anybody that was a big turkey hunter where I grew up at, it was a lot of trial and error involved in that. But uh, long story short, I had watched all these shows all these years, and these guys, I mean, were my role models, like Michael Waddell and Brad Ferris and all these, all these people. That's, that's who I looked up to. You know, I, I wasn't huge in the sports. I was in the hunting, and those guys were my were my NFL quarterbacks, you know. And uh, I made a goal when I was young. I was like, I want to do that one day. And uh, also, when I got to 18, 20 years old, reality set in, and you start getting bills to pay and responsibility and that sort of stuff. So, I started looking at what was realistic, you know, and uh, I decided to go to school to be an electrician because where I grew up in central Mississippi, I mean, it's just like a, a trade type of industry over there. You are either farming or you work at a steel mill or a chicken, chicken plant. That's kind of your options. And uh, I decided I wanted to become a, an electrician because, you know, you can make a pretty good living doing that. And it was pretty good job security if you learned how to do it. So uh, I went to the local community college up there and got my uh, got my electrical certificate and uh, started working at a steel mill while I was in school in the maintenance department and uh, was quickly realized I didn't really want to do that the rest of my life. You know, it was long hours, 70, 80 hours a week. He worked all the holidays and uh, just realized, you know, if I'm going to enjoy life, this this can't be a part of it. And uh, I saw an ad on Facebook at a place called Giles Island. They were hiring hunting guides. And uh, I applied for it and ended up getting an interview down there. And pretty much what the interview consisted of was a work day. It was free labor for the island. They they brought all these uh, <laughs> all these prospects in, and it was time to clean roads and fix stands and clean stands out, and you name it, we did it down there that weekend. Well, <clears throat> just the way I was raised up on a farm and working all that, I guess, uh, you know, the being out in the heat and picking up limbs out of the road wasn't anything different, so... And it ended up getting a job down there, and that was in 2012, I believe. And uh, worked down there a full hunting season, living on the island, guiding people on whitetail hunts, and uh, videoing those hunts too. And uh, Mossy Oak ended up coming down there to do a TV show for Hunting the Country. That was a long-run TV show they had for years. And uh, I got to meet a couple of the camera guys, and I was like, yep, this is what I want to do. I want to be one of those guys. And uh, anyway, I ended up getting one of the camera guys' phone number, and uh, I just pestered him for the next year, like, hey, man, y'all got any openings? Let me know if y'all do. And I I did that about a month, like once a month. I'd text him, hey, you heard anything? Y'all got any openings? Well, uh, the following fall, this was a year a year later, I was actually working at a, at a, a car factory during the summertime to have some income coming in because the guiding thing, you know, it was seasonal. And uh, I was working actually at Nissan here in Mississippi, 
uh, in the car factory. And I got a phone call from the manager at Giles saying, hey, are you interested in uh, in a video spot at Mossy Oak? I was like, yep, just tell me where I need to go and where I need to be and what time to be there. And I uh, ended up going up to West Point and interviewing with Cuz and uh, Rusty McDaniels, who was the head of the video at the time. And uh, ended up getting a job there as a video guy. And uh, I videoed for them for three years, I believe. And uh, it was a blast, man. I mean, I was getting to travel and experience stuff that I uh, never had seen in my entire life, you know. And uh, that fall, I got to go on my first elk hunt. Got to go all over the place filming whitetail hunts. And uh, the following spring, I was put on the crew. They had a TV show at the time called Turkey Thugs. And uh, they had five guys on that show that were from around the country. And a couple of them were pretty well known from turkey hunting and just one of those kind of living legend legend type scenarios. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but one of the guys was named Paul Buskey, who won... Uh, all kinds of calling contests back in the 80s and early 90s. And the other one was uh, Bob Walker. So Bob was a guy at Bent Creek Lodge in Alabama. And just, uh, he's honestly a living legend in the turkey hunting world just because the guys, he's one of the best I've ever been with. And uh, getting to go and film these guys and seeing how they hunt was the best thing that's ever happened to me for is being a turkey hunter myself because there's no experience like going with somebody that really really knows what they're doing right so uh, i got to do that for three years and be with those guys and really really helped me on my turkey hunting skills and uh <clears throat> how i ended up where i'm at now this is a long story i know but i'm just going through it so you you know, you hear it no, this is, uh, this is this is great. This is awesome. Thank you. Uh, so my wife, I ended up getting married in 2014, but me and my wife, Jessie, started dating in uh, late 2012, early 2013. Well, this is how small a world or God's time and whatever you want to call it. And uh, so Lake Pickle, who started working at Primo's, I think about 2014, grew up across the street from my wife. And um, I had actually, we had all just got home from elk hunting and I was over there visiting her one weekend and the lake was across there. Uh, I don't remember what he was doing. He was doing something with elk meat. So I walked over and introduced myself and uh, got to know him a little bit and um, mentioned to him, you know, me and Jesse, once we get married, we'd love to be back down around the central Mississippi area. And, uh, you know, if you hear anything at Primo's, let me know. Well, I guess about six months later, so he called me and said, you know, we're finna hire a new camera guy. If you're interested in it, let me know. And I was like, heck yeah. Well, I went down and interviewed for it, ended up getting a job at Primo's, and uh, we helped produce the Truth About Hunting TV show and YouTube series and podcasts and all that for almost six years there. And uh, this past year, I decided to go out on my own and start working for myself as far as real estate and stuff. And that's, that's kind of where I ended up and how I'm here today. Well, that's, uh, that's a lot to digest right there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. It's, uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't a straight and narrow road to get to where, get into the industry. You know, it's, it's a lot of curves and making, I guess, uh, 
educated risk or just going where the Lord leads you. You know, if a door opens, uh, a lot of times it's a risk to go through it. But if you can kind of see what could happen, that's what happened. Yeah, and thank, thank you for sharing all that. That's a lot to pick off of right there. And I'll, I'll say first that the, the place where you went down and kind of interviewed for, um, that was a, what, what was it called, the island? Giles Island. It was down in Natchez, Mississippi. Giles Island. That was a genius idea to hold uh, an interview process where you bring all these people in to do a lot of the grunt work. That was like yeah. genius. That's genius on their part. Um, well, I think uh, I think you figure out you know who's got an ego and who doesn't by doing that. Oh, absolutely, and you get a lot of work done pretty much for free. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, some of those guys, I remember, like, yesterday, they, they were like, why are we, we're supposed to be guiding stuff. Why are we out here cleaning up bob wire, you know? Yep. That's just the the, the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the stuff people don't ever really know that goes on. And for yeah, you, and for, for you to get a position at Mossy Oak as uh, – running a camera and doing like some production work for them. What, what are the odds? Like tell us for you to get picked out to go do that after pestering for a year, which I absolutely love. Like what are the odds of, of, of getting a job like that ballpark? Man, it's, per, it's pretty slim, honestly. I mean, how, and, many, uh, how many people in Mississippi and down in the South, they're, they're thinking like, man, I'd love to video for Mossy Oak. I'd love to video for Mossy Oak. Like, I feel like the chances of getting a job like that are pretty, pretty rare. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those deals where a lot of people think they want to do it, but they really don't understand, like, the work that's involved in it, you know, because mm-hmm. most 90% of people see the finished product, and it looks easy. And it looks fun, which it is fun. But there's also times where it's bona fide work, you know. And uh, I, dude, it all it all goes back to the way I was raised. Far as like, you don't ever know who's watching, so you you always do your best, right? Because like with the Giles thing, I mean, I did everything from scrubbing toilets, cleaning deer, to whatever I needed to do to stand out you know that was the biggest thing there and i think that's what all opened the doors it's like not saying this prideful on myself at all so don't take it that way it's just like willing to do whatever it took to get into it you know and do it in a, a happy way with that having that good of a like an attitude and having that towards your job and your work you do is definitely not going to hurt things so no, bravo, bravo for you for having that mindset and being grown up to you know be taught that way. So when yeah, when you, I mean that's what it all boils down to is just willing to do the stuff nobody else is not. You know, yeah, and having having a good attitude about it and going about your business. Um, yeah. Now at Mossy Oak, when you landed there, you were involved also in post production, where you you were editing things and putting shows. Not together. a ton. No, I was mostly just, we were called field producers. So my job there was, uh, you know, I would go out in the field on a trip or whatever. And my job was to produce the content to go to post to make a show. Okay. I, I did very, very little as far as the editing side of things there. I just did like maybe some rough cut stuff, just like putting rough stuff together. And then it, we had two full-time editors there that would finish it out. Okay. 
and then you get brought or you get brought around to be with the the program turkey thugs and i remember watching that quite often um mm -hmm. yeah on the outdoor networks on tv and how awesome that would be to be almost like you're, you're you're doing your job as a field producer but you're also almost like an intern with um some just outstanding turkey hunters so you're you're gaining all that knowledge and experience there also so man it's yeah that's it. exactly pretty much what it was it was like a paid lesson like i was getting paid to learn how to be a, a decent turkey hunter you know <laughs> sure yeah man not to mention where you were I'm, I'm i'm gonna assume a lot of your hunts were down in the southern part you know the southeast um man honestly they were everywhere uh they're all over the place yeah that's incredible that'd be really cool it's like you look at some of the folks now on youtube that do their own things um which is just you know as you know taken by storm as much content that's on the computer now youtube easy access you think right how awesome would it be to be kind of like the fly on the wall walking out the camera doing this for this person and also being able to gain all this knowledge, which you were able to do. Um, how did that elevate you as a turkey hunter? You know, you mentioned Paul Butsky, uh, Walker, where you were before then, you know, when you were down at the outfitting business to where you get to Primos, how much did you elevate as a turkey hunter? Oh man, there's a night and day difference. Like, uh, I mean, I turkey hunted a pretty fair amount, but like I told you, I was really like self-taught and, uh, that was before the YouTube thing came along where you could, you know, learn this stuff. And there was hundreds of videos out there to really watch somebody do it. I mean, your only access to, uh, I guess, programming to watch was your finished TV show type things. And there's so much stuff they have to cut out of that to make a 22 minute episode where it's really not a lot of education involved, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, being there with those guys firsthand and I mean, getting a hunt with like Toxie and cuz and all these different people. I mean, you pick up on things that they may not even talk about, but you start seeing them cause this is second nature to those guys, you know? And if you pay attention, you can always learn something. And then when, when you got to, to Primos, was there a lot of similarities with like your production there versus Mossy Oak or was there a lot of, a lot of differences there between the, the, the couple companies? It was some similarities in the fact that, you know, we're, I was producing the same type of TV show, but it was a different format. So with Primo's, you know, it was pretty much like Will, Jimmy, Brad, and Troy Ruiz, and me and Lake. And at the beginning, it was pretty much just like filming Brad, and Jimmy, and Will. And uh, so that was actually better doing that way because you got so tight-knit with the guys, you kind of knew what they were going to do before they did it. And it was it was less stress as a camera guy trying to, to trying to direct a TV show versus just filming what these guys do because they've done it for so long. You know, when I was at Mossy Oak, it was more like a I was producing the content slash directing it too because you were always filming somebody that may not have been on camera a whole lot, so you knew what you had to do to produce the show content wise. So you'd always have to be directing them, and. Uh, at Primo's, it was just more of like, okay, need you to do this, and they just take off and go. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned earlier that, you know, like a, a Brad Ferris and them are people you looked up to that were on TV. So, mm -hmm. were, were there some nerves and things like that once you got over to Primo's? Did you have like this? I don't want to mess up or that kind of that kind of feeling being around some folks that you looked up to a lot as a, a youngster. 
Oh, yeah. And, you know, I was kind of reserved at first and uh, kind of feeling my way around. Can I pick with these guys? And, you know, who who, they, who are they really when the camera's off was the main thing. Like, because I had been around some guys, you know, that, that could flip a switch that aren't the same person versus when the camera's on or off, you know. And uh, that was the biggest thing with with them was, you know, who are these people really? And uh, trying to figure all that out. Can I be myself around them or do I need to, I need to paint a picture at all times, you know? And uh, it didn't take very long. And I realized like, okay, these, these guys are just like me. We all pick on each other. We have a good time. We give each other crap about whatever. If somebody messes up, they're going to hear about it for a while. And uh, I like that atmosphere because I've always been uh, somebody that can, that can poke on people pretty hard too. So when, uh, when I fell into that and started realizing, okay, these guys are the exact same person they are on camera as they are off camera, you know, so it was a, it was a good fit. That's tough too, because these are people you're going to spend a lot of time with. You know, you go on these trips yeah. and you, it's like one hunting. You're not just hunting one type of game, one type of animal. You're with them all the time hunting multiple Multiple, yeah, multiple species of animals, and you're staying with them. And if you get the wrong combination there, that that can be a little rough, not too pleasant to be. Yeah, around. I mean, for the first three, three and a half, four years at Primos, I I was with Lake Pickle more than I was my wife. Is <laughs> like, uh, I, I mean, we put, we lived in the same room together at our deer hunting place, and you know, most of the trips we went on, me and him were always driving together or whatever. So that was a uh, you know, if we if we hadn't gotten along, that would have been a have been a tough scenario to be in. It's funny how that all comes around full circle. Is he just happened to live across the road from Jesse, your wife? Yeah, and that's what I was telling you, man. It's it's not about the decisions I made at all. It's a hundred percent like God just opening doors up and just being able to take the risk and walk through them. You know, right? And you you know, like none of this ends up developing if you go down to the the island where you worked and you're not putting forth all that effort doing things nobody else wants to do and having a good attitude because you got to think that they were big supporters with mossy oak and to recommend this is who you want for the job so yeah i mean it was just like i i was flabbergasted when he called me and told me that i was like really <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh the funny the funny part about it is when i went up there and interviewed they told me that day you know i, I could i could start the following week at mossy oak and uh i just called my supervisor at the nissan place said hey man i ain't coming back <laughs> yeah and uh, right or wrong, that's what I did. I just quit on the spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, how just how crazy to think, man, I just got a job at Mossy Oak. I mean, as a yeah. hunter, especially somebody in the South, just with the tradition that they have, it's, that's incredible, man. So you really worked your way up through it. Um, yeah, and uh, all that deal, like, I mean, it wasn't for the money at all. It was for the experience. I was having to eat ramen noodles for a couple of years there. <laughs> I heard that. Heard that. that. That just makes you a better traveling turkey hunter that you're not too spoiled. You can just eat out of the cooler and not bat an eye about it, you know? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> now, at Primos, with you and Lake, is that where you got into doing some post-production? Yes. Uh, so, part of my job there is uh, we really started ramping up the YouTube stuff our first summer there because that, that was kind of like our summer job, like, 
you have from, you know, with Primo's, we stopped traveling with, for turkeys usually about the second week of May. We usually had enough content for what we needed by that point, and uh, which we'd always try to take a couple personal trips a year, you know, late May, but starting first of June all the way through uh, mid-August or so, we were just behind a computer all day uh, producing whatever we could for YouTube content mostly. Okay. And then you you quickly find that there's a lot of hours and a lot of time sitting behind a computer that people also don't realize putting these together. Man, I, I'll tell anybody any day of the week, I absolutely hate editing, but it's a necessity I had to learn, you know? Right, man. That's the, especially with the stuff that goes on the TV, I've, I've watched. I Back when I was doing some editing on my own and trying to find out some you know, tips and tricks and you come across some people within the outdoor industry talking about how long it takes them to edit an episode. It's just, man, knowing you got to sit in front of a computer that long to put all that stuff together is just wild. Yeah. And, you know, if you are actually the one filming and editing, it it flows a lot faster because you know what you shot and you know kind of where to go find the clips and that kind of thing now uh, trying to edit some something somebody else shot or somebody is not familiar familiar with the way that uh you know i would edit or whoever would edit like that's what takes a lot of time because you have to go through there really with a fine-tooth comb and find the clips get familiar with familiar with what what they shot and uh then then start editing sure yeah yeah, I can see where that'd be a, a lot more time going through to review everything, no doubt. Yeah, like if it's something I shoot or whatever, like I, I edited a video last week where uh, we shot some stuff for uh, a company here in Mississippi to go with our real estate stuff. And I mean, it's one of the deals I was there when we uh, videoed it and kind of had in mind what I wanted to do and was able to edit it, you know, within an hour. So it just depends. Right. So are you involved with, with Primos at all now doing anything for them? Or are you totally gotten away from pretty that? Much totally, uh, pretty much totally done. You know, I'm still uh, on the list to do some contract work with them, you know, freelance if they need me. But uh, kind of retired from all that traveling. That was the biggest thing is uh, I have a four-year-old little girl at the house and uh, being gone, you know, 200, 250 days a year really Ooh. is not fair to her. Man, wow. A lot of traveling. Yeah, it, it's definitely a lot of traveling involved if you're trying to do that. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed listening to your guys' podcast, especially I would tune in, like, for the most part, to your guys' turkey content when you'd have people on mm-hmm. and talk, talking turkey hunting. And those were all uh, a lot of fun to listen to that you guys would put out there. But um, yeah, so as you're growing up, man, and, you know, the, the south with southeast especially with turkey hunting it's got the the tradition of being difficult turkeys if you will they get a lot of pressure people hunting them everything else what was that like for you growing up down there kind of cutting your teeth with mississippi or alabama or louisiana those types of places you may find yourself hunting well honestly i didn't know any better you know so i just thought this was turkey hunting it's uh it was definitely a lot of uh a lot of trial and error i mean because i mean between the ages of 15 and say 20 i just kind of did it by myself you know and tried to figure it all out 
and uh, I was blessed to have a couple good spots to turkey hunt at the time I didn't know they were good or bad or whatever it's just a spot I knew I, I could turkey hunt right and uh looking back on it now I was, I was blessed to have a couple good areas to hunt that you know I was able to have more than one chance to mess with a turkey and uh grew up I hunted a lot of a lot of national forest land around my house too which uh, you hear this all the time but you know 15 years ago it was different than it is now and uh had had quite a few opportunities to, to learn how to find areas that had turkeys i think that's the biggest part of the learning curve of being a turkey hunter is finding turkeys i would i would agree absolutely yeah but i mean looking at it now yeah it's a lot tougher here than it is a lot of other places for us just finding turkeys that are willing to cooperate i think uh i don't know i mean i know hunting pressure affects them some and or a lot depending on where you're at but i just think uh my this is my opinion so don't hold any weight on this but i just think everything in the woods is trying to kill these turkeys so they're scared of everything well i'll give you an example and i've, I've thrown this out on some recent podcasts or in the past so I've got, I've got turkeys that I've had since they were like a week old. I've got four of them now mm -hmm. that's out in the back. It's, they're in a pen. They, I see them every day. I've seen them since they were a week old. They're two years old now. Just earlier, if I walk out there, the first thing they do when they see me or get close or any sudden movements is like they're skittish. Like I am around, I let them out. I, they graze in the yard. I put them back. And you know, yeah. they, were, they were originally wild turkeys, but their first sense is to just, no matter what happens, a sudden movement, something that just seems alarming, they are all businessmen. And yeah, I mean, they, again, like I said, they see me all day, every day. So it's pretty, it's, it's pretty crazy. Nature. Yeah. And like, these are, these are turkeys that I had since they were a week old. So mm -hmm. it's just that genetics that's bred into them, you know, that they've, they've right. got that alert. And I've, I've also had a domestic turkey and that thing would be, he could not care less what was going on. So just that different trick that they've got in them. And then you imagine if they're in the wild, like the ones I have, they're not getting harmed by anything, but mm -hmm. you put them, you put them out in the wild and you got everything under the sun looking to attack them. I mean, they've just got that, they've got that trigger to where if something's not right, then they're gone. So. Yeah. And uh, a good analogy to kind of, I guess, put that in the, uh some someone that may not know exactly how turkeys work i mean you take a lab a labrador retriever right that's uh that comes out of a certain bloodline it doesn't matter if you've ever thrown a ball or whatever that thing's 10 years old and it's going to retrieve whether it's trained to or not because it's in, just in their breeding you know yeah and it, the same way with turkeys like it's in their breeding to be so so skittish and wary of things right and I've been amazed by that too, with these not necessarily having a mom to bring them up is just the things that they know to do that you see mm -hmm. with a wild turkey out in the wild. Um, so yeah, the, the genetics is pretty incredible. Um, over the course of the time, so about 20 years or so, what are some big changes you've seen in the Southeast with turkeys and turkey hunting? Are there some things that stick out to you, whether good, bad? I mean, the the number one thing I've seen is the landscape change, you know, with the uh, commercial 
timber harvest, which that's been going on for, you know, decades now. But uh, I guess the process that they do it in has changed a lot as far as just the, the, uh, the, the timber development side of things, I think is the biggest change I've seen. Cause when I, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago, when I first started hunting, all the timber companies that own land around my house, they all burned for management not for wildlife, but it was for the tree management, you know, and uh, in return that helped the wildlife side of things a lot. And uh, I guess with herbicides and all that, it's really changed the, the landscape for is the way they do that. So you that's think probably the, num the number one thing that I've seen that's changed on the landscape around the area I grew, grew up hunting. Okay. And do you think that's affected things like the, the nesting and poults and, and yeah, things like think, that the habitat absolutely i think it's affected it just you don't have the the disturbance you once did you know on a two or three year rotation now as they spray them uh when they're young blah blah the pines they'll go in there and pretty much kill everything but the pines and then let it go you know right so i think that's probably the the number one thing that i've seen around the house now don't get me wrong they're still plenty of turkeys around here but they're in different areas than they used to be um i don't know about the numbers wise i'm not even going to claim to be a biologist or anything because some some seasons i have plenty of turkeys to hunt so i'm up some seasons i can't find a turkey to hunt you know and i i don't know if they move or whatever or they have a down year i don't know enough about the research to even weigh in on that but uh you know like this year I had one of the best seasons I've ever had in Mississippi. So if you ask me this year, as far as turkey population here in the local central Mississippi area, I'm like, it's great. Yeah. But I also talk to people that uh, didn't have a good season, you know, and it's not like, uh, not like I have better places to hunt now than I ever have. Like it's just a lot of the hunting I do still on national forest. And for whatever reason, it was a, a good amount of huntable turkeys out there this year. Now, three years ago, I couldn't find a turkey. So what's changed on that? I don't know. <laughs> right. So, so you feel like in the last couple, three years, you've had some pretty good hatches? I assume that's what it's got to be. You know, uh, the last year and this year, I, I heard more turkeys for its gobbling activity than I have in the last five or six or eight, eight years. Well, that's definitely a good sign. I know up here, I'm in Indiana, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, for for whatever reason it may be, again, like you said, not claim to be a biologist, but I will say the last couple to three years have been seeing a lot more turkeys here in my general area where I live. Um, this year was no doubt the best, um, just, mm -hmm. in a, just in a proximity of a few miles, the amount of turkeys I was seeing through March in april was uh was incredible really um a lot of jakes and i saw that several other places here in the midwest or in the east um even wrapping up things up in michigan you know so i think yeah i think even this year where i am weather wise to this point we've been pretty fortunate with with the uh with the clutches of eggs and hopefully the hatches that we've not gotten really too much bad weather. 
Um, I know through Illinois and up through Michigan, it's been about the same. So hopefully that's, that's going to continue. Mm-hmm. It's great to hear that down where you are also. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, the last two years we've had super early springs and uh, I don't believe that like starts breeding early or anything like that. But one thing it does do is it greens up. So you've got a, a better habitat stand of mature forbs or whatever when it comes time for those poles to hatch. So I definitely think the earlier springs help on that side of things. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and it's pretty uh, it's pretty incredible. I've got a couple poles right now, and when I take them outside and they're they're feeding around, those things are. It's almost like they're meant they're meant to be camouflaged when they're that little. Like yeah. they they blend in with everything. Like especially when they're just sitting there still, it's hard to it's hard to pick them out. You throw yep. Yep. you throw you throw them out in some uh, some underbrush greenery, whatever else, man. Yeah, they they can really camo up. Um, that's a good that's a good point when you get the early springs. And I know up yep. here yep. anymore because I, I was into some rabbit hunting here and there and it's gotten really difficult to find just places that have uh, like the old tree lines that you used to find or, or ditches that had some, some trees and whatnot grown up briar areas to where the yes. farmers are all really trying to reduce all that. Um, and I guess just make it more, more, uh, you know, able to, to be farmed and things like that. I'm not sure, but you see a lot of the, the clearing now. Yeah. Here. That- it makes it more efficient as far as the farming stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah like turn rows and all that kind of things. They don't have to – takes time out of their day, you know. So. Yeah, to weasel around this and that and the other as opposed to they just take it all out and farm it. It speeds yep. it up a little bit <laughs> and get a little bit more uh, – a few more rows of crops there. So, I think – Yeah, I mean, if you think, if you think about uh, farming, I know from a food plot aspect, I've never been uh, in the – ag farming industry but i mean i'd rather plant a five acre square field with a food plot than i had a five acre field that's got 150 trees in it you know absolutely no doubt more work goes into it for sure um so it made the rabbit hunting a lot harder and it's i'm sure it's in areas it's uh made a little more difficult for the nesting and things like that but what do you do yeah it is what it is things are changing Things are changing. So Jordan, at, and I've noticed too, as you've come along and you know you, you gain a reputation at Primos and you you started getting in front of the camera. So what was that? What was that change like? You know, you got to go from behind the camera to you're in front of now. You're able to do some hunting. You kind of you kind of get some popularity there. You know, what was that transition like, and how did that come about? Oh man, I would like to say it was because I I got to, I worked hard and all this kind of stuff and was able to earn a spot, but it was all planned out, you know, by Will and them guys before. Once they figured out, I guess that you know Lake and I were a good fit, that uh, they started kind of thinking about their retirement and started kind of easing us into that role of, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what you'd call it, but just being more of a part of the crew, you know, on the post side of things. Uh, I mean, by the point that that started happening, I was I was already so accustomed to the TV stuff. I was just like, yeah, whatever we need to do to to get the job done, you know. And I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I 100% enjoy the 
the trigger pulling side of things too but uh when it comes to producing the tv shows and stuff i mean it's just it's really about whatever i could do to get to get the job done what what's going to best fit the brand you know um which i 100 percent, like i said enjoyed the hunting side of it but also it was just you know part of what i needed to do to help everybody if that makes sense yeah it does and was there was there any kind of awkwardness you know you're you're now in front of this <laughs> oh yeah i i sucked at it when i first when i first got a chance to <laughs> hunt on camera a couple times 100 percent. like uh uh i, I Thank, thank goodness that uh, I had a good editor, you know, because uh, I was screwing up. And my biggest thing is I don't talk all that well. And uh, a lot of people have a hard time understanding what I'm saying. I, I feel like I talk 10 times better now than I did 10 years ago. I was just old country bunking, you know. And, uh, <laughs> wait, English, English has never been my strong suit. So I think that was one of my biggest challenges uh, is to be – I guess articulate my words better so people could understand what I was saying. It it became educational for you. Oh boy, I, I had to had to go through some public speaking courses. <laughs> well, you man, you think about it. What were you guys on? Like the Outdoor Channel and yeah, we were uh, Academy. That's that's big Outdoor Channel. Right yeah, yeah, oh, man. So uh, we were lucky and blessed to have a, a really good run there. You know, it's uh, it was fun, and uh, I mean, I'm I'm wouldn't say I'm fully retired out of the video stuff, but kind of not. Uh, who knows? You know what the future holds, but I'm never gonna say never. But kind of that that chapter of my life's kind of gone. Well, you 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 got to do it, and you got to experience it when you were somewhat in that. I wouldn't say bachelor stage, but not married. And then, you know, you get to where you're having a kid and they get a little older. It, things change, man. Yeah. When, uh, so I was, I was married for my first year at Mossy Oak. So that's pretty much all my wife had ever known. But when we, we had Brindley, it, uh, it all started, I started really thinking more about like, okay, like this is not going to be fair for her having a dad that's gone three quarters of the year, you know? Now, so, be, start, be honest. Yeah, start. be honest. Does does your wife Jessie does she like having you around a bunch now, or does she kind of wish you'd go off on some trips and get out of town? <laughs> I think she likes it. I tested. Uh, so I've been pretty much at the house for the last year. I traveled a little bit last spring. I left Primos full time and uh, and February of twenty one. So. Uh, I had that following spring last spring uh kind of to myself but at the same time i was still like when i left there it was really really good terms so i was like okay if y'all need me i'm here like just call me i'll go video do whatever so i pretty much stayed around the house for the spring of 21 just in case they needed something or whatever and uh, this past spring is like I knew kind of how my, I guess, schedule worked with working for myself and stuff after filling that out the year before. And uh, so I probably tested my, her patience this spring because I was gone a lot. <laughs> <laughs> she kind of gets around to where she's missing you, and then, I don't know, it'll be maybe an hour or another. Yeah. Minute, so she'll be ready for you to get back out again. Kind of figured out, you know, like about if I'm gone for about three or four days – 
I need to get on back for a couple of days and then I'll aggravate her just enough where she's like, why don't you leave again? <laughs> you find this like a loophole of how, how can I leave and my wife not be mad at me? Well, you spend time yeah, for a amount of day. I hope she doesn't listen to this because it's a, <laughs> it's an organized effort for me to be like, okay, it's time for you to leave. Why don't you go somewhere? Oh yeah. I understand completely, man. I get it. That's, <laughs> My wife, you know, with the whole COVID thing about like everybody else, she uh, she worked from home. And mm-hmm. with being a teacher myself, I was also home when we weren't able to be there in person. So it gets to the point where she's like, I need you to get out of here. I need you to go back to work or I need to get back to work or something. Like, this is too, <laughs> this is too much, man. So I can't believe uh, that, can, that can work together with their spouse, you know. Bravo to you. Yeah, I know. It was a hundred percent like learning curve for for me when I when I came home last year because I mean pretty much for since we've been married I've been gone you know five or six days a week from September till June pretty much so it was a it was a learning curve and then even you know during the summer months I'd be you know at the office from eight to five every day and then a lot of weeks we'd be doing deer stuff you know on tractors and doing all that kind of stuff because that's that's one of what was one of my big roles at primos too was like getting the properties ready for deer season so i was always busy doing something always something going on always and and you know then just like so many people the the fan base he's accumulated you know with the the pinhody project you know i'm i'm watching it there about four probably years ago maybe 19 it could have been 20 and then you know there you are you and you and lake i believe you were still at primos at that time um mm-hmm. you hook up and you meet and hunt with uh with dave owens you know what where did where did that friendship start like how did you guys really come in in contact with one another leading up to that first hunt so you remember i told you i like poking at people yeah <laughs> like making fun of them so the first spring that dave started videoing i would do these videos when i was turkey hunting making fun of him and just send it directly to him i wasn't gonna post it or anything but i would uh like act like i was all out of breath and unpack uh pedaled my bicycle 18 20 miles and <laughs> doing all this kind of stuff and uh send it to him and that's kind of how we formed a relationship by me uh poking at him and uh anyway we were uh in wisconsin so brindley was born in 2019 and uh we were lacking one episode for uh primos and i left like a week and a half after she was born to go to wisconsin and minnesota film a turkey hunt and uh we hunted in wisconsin for two or three days and the place we were hunting was a private place that a buddy had hooked us up with and uh it come to find out they had killed like a hundred turkeys on it during the fall season, which I don't know if it's legal or not, but there wasn't a turkey left on the place. So we went over to Minnesota and uh weather set in. We ended up killing one turkey there on video and we needed one more, you know, kill to finish the episode. And uh the guy we were filming couldn't hunt any more days, so me and Lake were like, Okay, we'll go back to Wisconsin and try some public land over there and uh hunted i don't know a day or two and just absolutely we're getting our teeth kicked in 
and uh, I saw that Dave was there in Wisconsin, and I messaged him and was like, hey, any help you could give us right now, we would greatly appreciate it. And uh, he had already killed like one or two turkeys, I think. So he was like, yeah, well, let's go meet up in the morning and go. And uh, that's how it all ended up. That's pretty, you know, that's pretty incredible. Um, and that, that kind of works out good for him just also at that time frame because the popularity you guys had. So kind of, yeah, both trust me, I, I sold that to him too. I was like, Hey, we can, uh, I, we can put your picture on whatever. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that, you know, I, we were in a bind dude. Like I was like, this dude, he's on turkeys. So I need to do whatever I can to see if he'll take us. And I'm not too prideful to ask for help, you know, at any moment. So. No, man, if you're traveling around doing all that stuff, you're, you're, you're going to have to have some help along the way from some people. So, yeah, so that's how we uh, ended up hunting. And in the next year, I think he uh, ended up coming to hunt with us here or something and uh, just kind of made a tradition out of it so far. Yeah, that's cool, man. I, I, rem I remember that, that first time y'all hooked up on that episode in Wisconsin from from his video i don't think i ever caught the primos one but i'll need to do that <laughs> you guys had your primos rick and he's like we're not going to take that hop in here and we're going to oh, <laughs> bro i absolutely hated that truck because it's just like a traveling billboard oh man like when lake and i were scout we didn't have any choice but to drive it because that was our company truck and like if we're on a trip or like they're like yeah i'll drive that truck or either if you want to pay for your own gas and stuff and uh so we were in that that rig up there and uh scouting public land in a primos truck is not a good idea but we didn't have any choice right and uh the first place we drove through i was uh looking at a mississippi uh, Facebook page like for turkey hunting and there's our picture at a stop sign I was like <laughs> that's oh creepy. my gosh that's creepy you know like you, you you're in this like primos rig like known by everybody it's just like this awesome industry it's like y'all don't <laughs> y'all don't realize that we're we suck at turkey hunting so don't follow us <laughs> yeah and he's like you're hopping in here we're not taking that <laughs> I was like Yes, sir. Absolutely. hundred percent. We'll leave this thing here. So maybe somebody will steal it. Yeah. <laughs> Hard to be too, uh, you know, un uh, out of the radar if you're traveling around that thing. So, uh, Oh, you ain't kidding. That's cool, man. You guys hook up and you hunt and you, you start spending a lot of time together in that aspect. And, you know, now you're, you're hunting with, with somebody else that's new that, has to hunt the most out of just about anybody you could imagine throughout the the spring season from start to finish. You know, Dave Owen spends yeah. probably the most days in the woods doing it than anyone else. If there's anybody else doing I, it, you know, I, I just don't I, know about you. But yeah, he, I would say a hundred percent. He probably is in the woods more than anybody. Yeah. So name dropping him a little bit here, but what are some things you gained from him? that you kind of put in your arsenal that you didn't already gain from all these other people as you're coming up through the so uh the i won't ever forget like when we were on that wisconsin trip and like even though i had been doing you know all that stuff for so many years at the time i i if i go to somebody that i know like is that's having a lot of success 
consistently, I know that there's going to be something I can learn from him. Yeah. And uh, with Dave, I guess the number one thing that me and Lake both talked about this when we were were there, it's like the dude never lets his guard down. Like you're walking through a spot where nine out of 10 people would be like, it ain't no turkeys here. You know, let's just go on from point A to point B and get there as fast as we can. And uh, he just never does that. He's always like, it could be a turkey around any tr- any curve in the road, any tree. You know, he's super careful. And that's uh, I picked up on that, really started paying attention to what I was doing. And uh, just the movements and just anticipation that any second could, you know, be a, a point where you're like, okay, I got to sit down. I think that that's really a big reason that he's so successful. From the time you get out of the truck and strap it all on, it's it's all business. Every step you take. Yeah, and he he goes the extra mile. Like, say I don't know. Here's just a scenario. Uh, say you have a turkey in a field, and you set up on him, or just you end up spooking the turkey out of the field. Okay, nine out of ten people would just go walking straight across that field to get back to the truck, right? Because you already spooked the turkey. Well, with him, he's going to go the extra distance and go around the edges of the field inside the woods so nothing will see him, even though he's already spooked a turkey. Like, that not didn't caught. happen, but scenario-wise, like, that's the difference. Not causing not causing possible further damage. Right, right. That was the, that was the biggest thing I picked up on him from that first time that we went. He's, all, he's since, always conscious yeah. of every movement he makes. And I've, you know, in some books I've read, um, I just finished, um, I just finished uh, Doc, Tom Weddle's volume three of his book. And I can't remember if it was mentioned in there or maybe, you know, it was maybe my, my last uh, guest I had on the show, Matt Lehman. They were talking about every step he takes is like methodical. It's like yeah. watching this watching these folks that spend all this time in the woods, every step they take, they're very cautious about what they're doing. Like they're just mm-hmm. locked in totally. And I mean, the, the proof is there that, that that's obviously your woodsmanship going into it is, is, is so important. Um, real cool from your angle to, to spend your time around so many, so many great turkey hunters and just woodsmen to, to gain all those types of things. Because like you said, and I don't find myself in that position a lot, but this past year there was a few people that I got to hunt with that I had never hunted with before and good turkey hunters. And it's cool to be around them, pick their brain and just watch the way they do things and, and take that type of stuff that you don't usually get to see. Yeah. And then, uh, in my experience too, like if you'll take the time and just like pay attention to what they do, you'll learn so much more because, just like you in teaching or what, you know, like you've probably been doing it for so long. There's, there's things that are just habit to you. You don't even think about that make a difference in your day. Mm-hmm. And the same way with these really, really good turkey hunters. Like I've learned so much more from just watching them than I have like actually like asking questions or whatever. Cause you'll ask like with Bob Walker, especially like he does these little bitty just difference makers that he doesn't even think about. And if you asked him about it, he'd be like, I didn't even know I did that. Right. 
Right. And so like when, when Dave came down and, and started hunting with you in Mississippi, some places that you had hunted a lot, mm-hmm. were there, were there, were there some techniques or strategies that he did on your kind of home turf that you were like, man, that's like a good idea or that's something I've never really done or thought of. Uh, probably not really. Cause we, we do hunt very, very similar. We have a lot of similar hunting styles. So, and, uh, okay. Dave's the type of person too. Like if he's going with you somewhere, unless he just picks it, unless he just picks up, like you are making a bunch of mistakes, he's kind of going to beat it to, pace of your drum when he goes somewhere with you you know which when i hunt with him we're always like back and forth like suggestion wise like i'm not the type of person that thinks like i've been hunting the place 20 years that i know everything about it you know i'm not going to even act like that and uh but we hunt well together i think he may he may differ uh disagree with that <laughs> but uh we've had some we've had some good times but yeah we've had a lot of fun here in mississippi uh we hunted shoot this year, he uh, didn't draw uh, out-of-state uh, public land permit, so he came up to my deer camp the opening week of season, hung out a few days, and we had some good hunts up there. And uh, then I guess he went down to, to South Mississippi and hunted with uh, Hunter Lemoines and them guys for a few days and then ended up coming back up through here, and we hunted a place here by my house and had a good hunt. Yeah, I, I caught those hunts um, that he had released this year. That's always good stuff. And, you know, with uh, the season dates and changes and him needing a place to go right now, looks like Mississippi's a, a nice destination to always kind of get the season going after Florida. Yeah, and uh, so far so, uh, they haven't pushed our season back, so, you know, which is uh, I think they've made some good decisions as far as trying to limit the pressure on the public land, you know, to an extent. Um, so that is, I've seen the difference in the public land, I guess, uh, experience the last couple of years It's it's getting better. And I think that, uh, that, um, uh, you know, limiting the extra pressure the first couple of weeks of season has helped that. Yeah. Which that's, is, it's, it's not, see. it's not fun. Like I look at it from an out of staters perspective too. Like it is, it's not cool on that point. Like where you gotta, like you may be able to go hunt or may not be able to. But I think in this uh, position, they are putting wildlife first. You know, I, th- I I look at it from try to look at it from all different perspectives because, uh, from one perspective, it helps me as a resident here. You know, not having to compete as much. But on the other side of things. Uh, thinking about it, if I was a non-resident, I probably wouldn't be too happy about it. Yeah, it, it's nice to see that states and agencies are at least, you know, making some changes, and it's it's on their list of, of, of ways to try to improve, whether it's, you know, this yeah. way or that way. And, I mean, you know, you get the, a, a lot of states or whatever get the rap for, you know, it's all about the dollar, which at the, at the end of the day, it is a business, but... Also, if you think about what the, the decisions they've made here on the public land stuff, I mean, they're losing money by making that decision, you know, from, mm-hmm. you know, hotel res, uh, income to gas stations to hunting license, all of that, you know, so. Sure. And have, have you gotten yourself now to where you've been 
traveling around throughout the spring and, and you're kind of branching out and hunting some different states, places you hadn't been before? Yeah, uh, I love the aspect of going somewhere new. You know, whether it's a state I've been before and just going to a new area or a state totally I've never been before, I like the I like to figure the process of figuring out, you know, where some turkeys could be and um, the whole, you know, just the unknown part of it. Right. And one of the things you mentioned earlier was like finding turkeys. And you obviously have to do that if you're wanting to hunt and kill a turkey, you got to be able to find them. So when you go to these new places, what are some things you've gained throughout the years of ways to be efficient? Um, and let's just look at it like you're at a, you, you're at a place. We're not talking, you know, virtually or satellite, but you, you get to a spot, you get to a place. What are some techniques that you look at to try to find turkeys to hunt? Man, uh, if I'm say going to the Midwest, I'm going to, first off, I mean, it starts with satellite scouting. Like that's where you start, but your question was like, once I get there, like I'm normally going to have an area, you know, that I've pre-scouted satellite wise that I want to start, but you don't ever know exactly what it's going to look like until you get there. Right. So, um, the the few things I like to key in in on just taking the region of the Midwest example is there's a lot of ag there. So if you can find some timber tracks with looks like mature timber, that butts up the ag that has creek bottoms or whatever, that's normally a spot that I'm going to start checking out. Um, one thing I do do a lot and efficient or not, I, f- I feel like it's efficient is I spend a lot of time in the truck looking at these spots because you can cover, you know, 40 square miles in the same amount of time. You can cover 200 acres on foot, you know? Right. So that's where I usually start. Like, for for instance, this year I, I made a trip to Indiana, and uh, I left on a Sunday morning. I think it was seven or eight hour drive, um, but it was a front coming through up there that weekend, and it was like drizzling rain all day. So I kind of knew where I wanted to start at, but I knew with that rain and stuff, there's a good chance I'd find turkeys in fields. So I started. Yep. I got up there the afternoon to really ride around and mark turkeys if I could. And ended up marking a handful of gobblers, and uh, you know it paid off the next morning by doing that. So paying attention to the weather, like that that type of scenario, the, the rain's going a lot of times push turkeys in fields, so you can get eyeballs on them from roads, and uh, you know that'll kind of narrow it down a lot. And a lot of times, you know, if you can get to a spot in the afternoons, late in the evenings, same same scenario goes with the the fields type stuff in the in the midwest you can find turkeys in fields that last hour hour and a half a day you know right that that's a good tip we we did discuss that on the the last podcast as far as it, geographically speaking obviously if you're you plan on hunting a big national forest then a lot of times the driving around is not going to pay off yeah, a ton, but and a lot yeah. of times you know big timber tracks too i mean it's worth in my opinion not hunting for the first morning you're there if you've got good weather and just marking turkeys as you hear them and that way you've got backup plans because with me i a lot of times that first sit down doesn't work out you know right yeah just 
kind of devote some time to not be full throttle. And I know when I first started traveling and you kind of, you just like anything else, you know, you're new to something and you don't know really what you're doing, but you go to a new place and of course you feel uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. when you get there, you just want to dive in head first and you realize you've wasted all this time and you know nothing. Yeah. Um, so I, I think having the patience to invest a little bit of time in exactly what you said. And we talked about it on the last show with, with Matt was take some time. If it's, if it's possible and cover some ground, get your eyes on a lot of stuff and get a good idea and mark turkeys. Or in the case you just mentioned, if it's morning time and they're gobbling good weather, then go around and try to try to pinpoint and get some, I guess you would call it arm scouting. And, yeah. and just try to get some stuff laid out, plan B, plan C, plan D. But I think it is, a it's a, that's a harder task to, to stay disciplined to than a guy would think. Because if you're a turkey just ripping it, you know, three, 400 yards off the road, it's hard not to get out of the truck and go hunt that turkey. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially if it's, <laughs> if it's one of the first ones of the year and you're, you've been behind the wheel and, you roll in, you hear it. I mean, it's it'd be tough to not yeah. go after it. And I, I have done that so many times too, and it ends up not working out. And then for the next two days, I'm scratching my head, like wondering, like, what do I do? I don't have a backup plan. Yeah, and if you get, if you get that many pins on turkeys gobbling in the mornings, you can look at the fact that even even if you can't hunt in the evenings, you, you know where these turkeys roosted. So most likely, they're probably going to be in those same areas that night. And yep. you can slide back in, possibly if it's you know, if you're able to hunt all day, you could hunt it that evening, or you get in. And a big thing that I got to doing was find out where these turkeys are, what limb they're on, and then you're all set for the following morning. So having <laughs> yeah. an idea where they roosted, they're probably going to be back there in some sort of proximity later that night to roost again if they've not been bumped bad or killed anything like that. So yeah, um, finding out where they sleeps, that's the uh, that's a big thing you know yeah and those uh you know those big timber tracks those are probably the most challenging just because everything looks the same you know like down here some of these national forests may be a hundred thousand acres of 90 percent just big big pines or just big hardwood draws or whatever you know and it's just like where do i even start because everything looks exactly the same so it can right. uh it can be a lot. I think it's a little bit more challenging for as locating turkeys because, you know, turkeys are, uh, I feel like they're a little, I call them bubble creatures because they, they find their little bubble in these big timber tracks and they really don't venture out of them. So if you're not in that bubble, like you may go through miles and miles of forest and not even see any turkey sign, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I hope my, uh, my home state treated you well. Um, yeah, I had a I had a good hunt up there. Uh, I was there for like three hours in that morning, and uh, it was uh, I showed up about four or five o'clock in the afternoon. Like I said, rode around marking turkeys and found some I felt like were huntable, and uh, started there the next morning. Did not hear a turkey, and uh, decided to go back to the truck and because it was still like terrible weather, it was, like misting rain, and it was just nasty, and. Um, wanted to go ride back down there after fly down to see if those turkeys were in that field because the field was private so I couldn't like set up on the field I had to hunt the outskirts of it and uh 
it was just luck, man. The turkeys were uh, in the field, and they were crossing the road going into public. So uh, I went down to a parking spot and parked and made a big loop around them and just decided to sit down. And it's, it was like a little drain area that had pretty – it's pretty clean underneath where I felt like they were going up that drain. And I yelped a few times, and, uh, shoot, it wasn't like 10 minutes later I seen – a redhead coming up and draw. They never gobbled or anything, but they were coming and showed up at like 35 yards. Mm, man, I love that. Yeah, just one of them deals, like right place, right time, and knew that knew they were there the afternoon before, and just happened to get in the truck and ride by at the right time. <laughs> just yeah, no skill involved. Just happened to be right place, right time. Well, in those times too, when you see them heading in a direction. And, and you, you kind of look at your maps and whatnot, and you're able to make a big loop to get in front of them. Mm-hmm. And you realize, and you know, you don't know if that's where they headed or if maybe you spooked them, especially with their eyesight. You don't know what's going to happen. And when it turns out that I didn't bump them, they're still here and they're coming. It's always like that feeling of, well, I've pulled it off to this point. <laughs> you know? Yeah, especially like in that scenario when I sat down and I felt like I was thin, you know, 200 yards to where they were heading and it yelped and you don't hear them you don't have any gobble or anything response to you're like uh did i spook them but a lot of times if you just sit there though you know and make sure that just do your due diligence that you did or didn't spook them just be patient with it you know you'll be surprised that you didn't because i've also sat down so many turkeys before like they're just hammering and you start easing in closer to them. And then when you sit down and yelp at them, they never gobble. And you're like, they saw me or something happened. But for whatever reason, they just didn't gobble. And, you know, if you get up and start moving closer, you spook them or whatever. But if you just sit there, sometimes it works out. When you when you see it happen and you, you tell yourself, man, I can do this. It's like you don't treat the turkey as this crazy creatures like man i can slide around and, and maneuver and, and get myself in position and maybe they are always here but i just don't know when you can pull it off you realize man i, I can do that that's cool so you yeah. kind of get a little bit of a little bit of confidence built up to make your that, as you learn the the behaviors of them i think is a big thing too because you know i think uh the tv stuff like i mentioned before like those shows are cut down to 22 minute episodes so it's pretty much like a highlight reel you know mm-hmm. and there's a lot of time in between from when you sit down on that turkey and actually kill him that can't be shown for time constraints and i think from dave like dave owens like he's able to you know document the time in between a lot of times where you start really putting those puzzle pieces together okay this is this is what the real turkey hunting scenario looks like and there, there's been a lot of appreciation gained with with that type of uh, with that type of video as compared to what you would see on TV that was having to be produced. Um, yeah. You know, failure like people seeing people fail and realizing yeah. they're they're human just like me. They go out and they hunt and they don't always they don't always come out with a turkey over their shoulder or something like mm-hmm. that. So it's been refreshing to see that kind of stuff on you know, like YouTube. Just yeah, every day. and that's what I, I love about that platform is there's no time constraints. You know, that's, you can actually tell the story the way it happened. Right. 
Jordan, as we wrap up here and everything's been incredible, you know, to somebody like yourself that has kind of been across and seen a little bit of everything and been involved with Mossy Oak and Primos and just everything you've done. What is a hunt that you've experienced that really stands out to you as one of the most valuable, something that comes to mind, like immediately that hunt was just my favorite Man, there's probably a hunt here in Mississippi. I was filming Wheel one morning, and uh, it was just one of them deals, like, Wheel called me the night before. He said, hey, you want to go hunting in the morning? I was like, well, heck yeah. When we going, what time, whatever. We ended up hunting a place by his house that he had permission to hunt. And uh, we got in just an absolute battle with a turkey. Like, he was being hard-headed. We were being hard-headed. Just one of those deals where didn't think it was even going to work out you know it's like we sit down on this turkey and he's gobbling sporadically not every time you yelp at him and uh just will not commit to come like he's hung up like 150 yards and uh finally we say okay we're not going to yelp at him wheels like if you ever watch wheel hunt much on tv he's he's a fan of yelping okay so with him and me both we're both aggressive hunters i guess is what you could say like if it's not if you're not in the action let's go find the action and uh he's like okay we're not going to yelp for such and such amount of time set a timer don't let me yelp if i start to yelp tell me no i was like yes sir and uh anyway we, we went uh we went quiet on this turkey and about 10 minutes passed and he gobbled and he's a little bit closer and uh, I answered him as soon as he gobbled at me. And uh, he immediately gobbled right back. And uh, Will called right after he gobbled the second time like it was two different hens. And he gobbled again and went quiet again. We're like, mm, he's doing the same mess. He's up and down this ridge. And uh, a few minutes later, uh, we heard this yelping noise. And it sounded almost like a Jake caulking, but it wasn't quite that. It ended up being that gobbler yelping, looking for that hen. And uh, he came down the hill, and uh, I got on the video camera. like, yeah, that's a gobbler, Will. And uh, he shot him. And just, uh, I guess, the joy of that hunt is what, it's one of those deals I'll never forget is, uh, you know, Will was really, really fired up. And, we just got to sit there by a tree talking about the hunt scenario and what worked with it and for about an hour and just spending time there with him talking about that hunt and just being so appreciative of it working out and getting to experience it is just something that sticks out to me and it's probably my favorite hunt ever you know as far as like it all going together as far as like being able to really trick a turkey and getting the experience with wheel yeah that's a definitely a special hunt that you'll have for forever and i'm as far as like video wise i mean you've got that to look back on also mm-hmm. yeah so that's a special time man I mean, yeah I, there's been so many of them you know i've had been really really blessed to be able to hunt with a lot of people when you know, I, I love hunting by myself, but also love hunting with people. And I think you, uh, I don't know, going with a buddy or whatever, when it does work out or something happens or somebody misses or 
somebody makes a dumb mistake, I think that uh that gets remembered longer than actually <laughs> killing a turkey, you know. So, dude, I'm telling yeah. you, there's like these last couple of years when I think about some hunts, two of them now that stick out to me are ones that I missed, and it was mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, it was it it came together perfectly, whether. I was able to somehow make the right moves, get myself in the right position, work, you work hard, you do this, that, and the other. And then it just, at the last sec, you miss or something happens. Those are the ones to me that stand out, that haunt me, but also you have this like a kind of weird appreciation for them. Yeah, they won. (laughs) If you're a, a competitive person, you know, you can't stand to lose, and that's what that's why you remember hey, playing sports and stuff. I, I remember losing more than I ever do winning. You know, I yeah, I can I can still see both hunts right now in my mind, and just how did I mess that up? Like it was like it wasn't meant to happen or something. Like how did that not come together all the way? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it just it happens. It is what it is. <laughs> you just keep on going. Oh man. Jordan, this is this has all been great, man. And um, I know you got a busy schedule and this, that, and the other. But really appreciate your time to come on and, and share your entire journey here because I wasn't really sure where it all started with you and how you got to where you are now, or maybe what you were even up to these days. Um, but I appreciate all the the work you've done with the outdoor industry and the things you've put together. I've enjoyed watching and even uh, to the point of listening to your guys' podcast when you were doing it. So. Thank you for all that, man, and all the work you've done. Appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm finna go fill up deer feeders for our client. (laughs) (laughs) Protein time. Yeah. Well, well, Jordan, I hope you have a a great summer, man, and as you go into uh, the fall, hopefully you uh, have a good deer season, and when it comes back around to next turkey season, hope you wear them out. I appreciate it. We hope so. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate you inviting me on here. I've had, had fun. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you get to talk turkey, it's a good time. So, yeah, again, thanks for uh, thanks for joining and, and giving your time up, man. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yep. Take it easy, man. Well, I greatly appreciate Jordan for coming on and, and sharing his stories. I mean, somebody that's been around the industry and worked around some of the, the best of the best, if you will. It's uh, it's been a joy to really go through and pick his brain and hear about some of the things that he's uh, has experienced and definitely had to work for it from the bottom and to the point of where he got to. So great interview there with Jordan. Um, again, now that we're out of season, be trying to put these together with someone new every couple weeks. Um, should have a, a new episode twice a month, maybe once a month. And as we get around to that new year, be uh hopefully stocked up on some interviews and potential people to have on and be going back to every week as we get geared up for the next turkey season thank you for tuning in to the turkey talk podcast please leave a rating and write a review as your feedback is important turkey talk podcast was brought to you by matthew myers custom calls van meter and sun lures and iron horse Gunworks. Check them out on social media to keep up with news and products.